You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. How are we this morning? Well? Good? I'm good, Jim. I don't know about you. You look good. You look good this morning. Are you good? Am I too loud? I'm really loud up here. I'm too loud? No, I'm good? All right. How are we this morning? Who's had their coffee? Pastor Nate's had his coffee. I've had my coffee. You look like you've had your coffee. You look, you look fresh. You look well. You look good. You, um, you look like you had your coffee. That's what I mean. That's a compliment. Who's ready this morning for the Word? Who's been here for the last couple of weeks enjoying the new series that we've been in? Who's been enjoying the new series? Healthy Things Grow. Healthy Things Grow has been the series we've been in the last couple of weeks. And um, if you have missed it, make sure you get the podcast or you get... um, yeah, Pastor Darren has been preaching some awesome messages over Northwest. We were there the other week, and it was an absolute cracker. But healthy things grow, right? Who agrees with me? Healthy things grow. And Pastor Nate kicked off the series uh, with prayer. prayer. Prayer is this, an essential ingredient in our life to see health and vitality in like our spiritual formation, right? The prayer is like the lungs of the Spirit. It's how, we, it's how we breathe in the atmosphere of heaven, like Pastor Phils likes to say. It's how, we, it's how we operate in the spirit realm. It's how we become familiar in the, in the world that is not this world. And that's the only way we can bring the, that world to this world, as in heaven, here on earth, as in heaven. And the only way we can bring heaven to earth is if we know what heaven is like and breathing in the atmosphere of heaven in prayer is the way that we do that. And then Pastor Keith last week uh, kicked it off with uh, fellowship. Fellowship being a key ingredient in our spiritual formation as our growth as a follower of Jesus. We are born into a family called the church. We are born into a family of God. We are not just lone wolves, individuals out there doing our own thing. No, we're being called to a family and this idea of fellowship, being committed to one another, sees us grow, right? And uh, our key verse has been in Acts. Does anyone remember the key verse? Memory verse for the week. Does anyone? I don't have any prizes here. This is not kids' church, but if I had some smarties, I would throw them out for you. But does anyone remember our key verses? This, this month, Acts 2.42. Now, no doubt Pastor Nate and Pastor Keith has probably given a little bit of slight context and background to Acts 2.42, but I just want to kind of quickly transport us back to what is happening in this moment for our key scripture, just to kind of get us in the mind frame of what is happening here. See, Jesus... Not too long ago, he's just been to the cross. And the disciples are scattered. They thought Jesus was bringing a physical kingdom, a real kingdom. They thought Jesus was going to overthrow the government. They're like, yes, revolution. Jesus goes to the cross and, and he, he dies on the cross. And the disciples, I could imagine, they're freaking out. They're, they're scattered. They're, we thought this, this is not meant to work out this way. And he rises on the third day. 
Come on, someone give me an amen for that. Come on. He rises on the third day and he goes and he visits the disciples and they're like, yes, he's back. Like you could imagine their excitement. There's kind of, there's, there's tumultuous feelings in the atmosphere. There's tension. Jesus died, but now he's back. What the heck? Things are getting exciting and Jesus is back and he spends some time being back. And then he says, no, I've got to go. I've got to go to the right hand of the Father. But if you wait in Jerusalem, I'm going to, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send an advocate on my behalf. I'm going to spend the whole, send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to fill you with power. But I mean, at the, mo- at the time, they didn't have the Bible. So I could imagine they're like, okay, you just came back, Jesus. We're not too sure what's going on. We don't have a plan. What's, what the heck is going on? Jesus heads up to the Father, sits at the right hand of the Father. Hey, Dad, all that kind of stuff. And uh, the disciples are waiting. They're waiting in the upper room. They're, they're spending some time. They're just like, we're just doing what God said. I could imagine the moment was pretty, pretty simple, pretty normal. I mean, they didn't have LED panels. They didn't have awesome music. I mean, they might have had some bongo. I don't know what they kind of, what their band was like, but it could have been pretty normal. And I could imagine they're sitting around for a while and just like, um, Anyone got a strategy? Like, how was this? Um, Jesus said this kingdom thing was going to come. And anyone got a strategy? Anyone got some ideas and plans? Like, no, Jesus said, wait. Let's wait. And the Holy Spirit comes and, and fills the believers in the upper room. And the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And it is the birth of the church. The church is born and, and, and they go preaching and 3,000 people are saved in a moment. 3,000 people, not including men and women, and they're, they're born again in the streets and the disciples are praying in a, a spiritual language that people can understand in all different kind of races and nationalities and they can understand the, the things of God that they are speaking about and people, they, people come to Christ. They come to follow Him. They respond to the message and it's this beautiful picture of what the church is. The church is born in power and people are set free. People come to know Jesus at the same time as the church is born and is the, it's just like succinctly pictures, shows us a picture of what the church is. It's the power of God on the earth, is the hope of the world, and it is proclaiming a message to see people come to Jesus, to see people receive life, receive hope, receive eternal life, to come to the message of the cross. And then we come to this moment where this this verse is, and there's, you could imagine there's revolution in the air. There's, it's exciting. This is crazy. There's all this stuff happening. People are getting healed. The, the religious establishment, they do not like this. They're persecuting people. They're getting angry. But God is on the move. God is moving, and nothing can stop what God is doing through His church. It's the same today. But we see this, we grab this beautiful insight into the picture of the church in this moment. It's the first kind of insight that we get of what is actually going on in this community called the church, this community of believers. And we see it here. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Amen. I mean, who loves bread? I love, I mean, I'm telling you what. I love that the bread is there with teaching, fellowship, and prayer. 
He's like, bread is there, breaking of bread. Like, I love that. Let's break some bread. If someone wants to break some bread with me, a nice sourdough loaf, some uh, butter, amen. It's, I mean, it's right there. They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone that had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread with sincere hearts. There we go. Bread makes it again. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's a powerful, beautiful picture of the community of believers, of us. They, I love the picture that is, I mean, bread. They'll just smell of bread, warm bread. But they're, they're together with glad hearts. Glad hearts. Church, the community, this family, we have glad hearts. Being with one another, we have joyful hearts to come together to worship Jesus, to sit under the teachings of Jesus, under the Word of God, under Scripture. And in this environment, this greenhouse effect, growth happened. I would have believed that growth as individuals, but not just growth as individuals. Individuals, it says those. Um, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I'm telling you what, the kingdom of God was growing as a result of a healthy, powerful community. People can't help but look in and see the lives that are being lived and go, I want to be part of that community. What the heck is going on in there? There is something going on there as a life there that I can't, I've searched everywhere and there is a life there that I have not seen. And God has called us to be healthy people in a family so that our family is healthy. Healthy things grow. And so this morning I'm going to bring uh, the, the, the third ingredient, I suppose, in Acts 2.42 here. It says, They devoted themselves to teaching fellowship and prayer. And this morning, I want to speak about the Word of God. I want to speak about the Word of God being a key ingredient to our health. Amen? Are we ready? This is good. Who loves the Word of God? Who loves the Word of God? Come on, everyone sounds really excited. Um, <laughs> I just want to pray. Lord, I just thank you for your Word this morning. I thank you, Father God, that, um, that we are growing that we are healthy, that in you, Father God, we are growing together as a family that is a powerful, unified force on the place on the face of this earth called the church. And Lord, that we are growing. The kingdom of God is moving forward. We're seeing people healed, set free, pulled out of darkness. And we thank you, Lord, that you want to use every single one of us in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I don't know about you, but... Um, Who's, who would say that they're a bit of a green thumb? Green thumb, like you love gardening. I know Pastor Nate. Pastor Nate loves gardening. He's a gardening fiend. You love it, don't you? I mean, I remember Pastor Nate telling me how excited he was for Christmas one year. He got this electronic kind of gadget that does all the timing for his sprinkler systems. And I was like, man, that's what I need. I need one of those. But who else would say that you're a green thumb? All right. Not, not too many. I would love to be a green thumb. I mean, I, I, I think I have a black thumb of death when it comes to growing things. 
Yeah, oh, amen. I mean, there's a lot of people that have a black thumb of death. It's okay, no shame. Um, but I was going to actually bring one of my plants here this morning, but Jess told me I shouldn't. But uh, yeah, you did. And uh, in the name of Jesus. It seems that every plant that I get dies. I mean, the only plants that haven't died are maybe some chili plants. They thrive on neglect. I mean, the more you neglect them, the hotter they get. They thrive on neglect. Uh, I had some tomato plants. They just died. I've tried to like do the whole fern thing. I want like greenery around my home, you know, like all the people that go to the markets, the olive tree market people. I wanted ferns all through my home. So I got, I think I bought a fern and I thought, you know what? I'm going to water this thing. I'm going to water it so much that it can't help but grow. It can't help but thrive. So I overwatered it and it just, I think it got like um, rot or something and it died. It just flat out died. It was like too much water. I thought ferns live in a rainforest. How can they get too much water, right? And I bought a cactus. I thought, you know, I'm going to buy a cactus. Who, has, who loves cactus? I love cactuses. Cactus, cacti? Cacti. Who says that? I thought, I'll buy a cactus. They live in deserts. Surely they don't need to be watered. They don't need any love and attention. I can just look at my cactus and go, it's my awesome cactus. And I wanted one of those really big tall ones, one of those huge ones that just look like a massive cucumber coming out of a pot because I reckon they look awesome. But no, I couldn't afford them because they cost like $300. So I bought like this tiny little one. I thought, surely this is going to live. This is going to prove, oh, this is my zone. Cactus, waterless plants, whatever. And surely enough, it died as well. It died. I went and checked it and it died. I just have no clue when it comes to plants. I mean, I, I, uh, I text someone that was putting some stuff on Instagram and I was like, how are you making all your plants live? And they're like, oh, I just water it regularly. Just, I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And, and recently I've been gifted some plants. I've been gifted a plant for some, for, from some friends that uh, went on a trip around Australia. And so we went to like their farewell party and they had this room of all their plants and they were giving their plants to people and saying, here, you can have out my plant, look after my plant. You know, they don't want it back, but they're like, you know, it's like a friendship fern. It was actually a fern. I'm like, I was so excited. I received this friendship fern. You know, there's like a, there's a movie, I forget what it is. Um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, they have a love fern or something. I had a friendship fern. And it was awesome. It was like this, I thought, this is it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win here. So I took the friendship fern. I was so stoked with my friendship fern. And I put it there, and I think I looked at it a couple of times. and like, how good's that friend? Like, I just loved it over there, seeing the greenery. And it was probably a couple of weeks or months. I can't remember. Um, I looked over at my friendship fern, and I noticed it was quite brown. And uh, I thought, gee, that doesn't look too good. But I felt really like... This is my friendship fern. I've got this relationship on the line here. Like they don't require the fern back. But so I, I went to watering that plant. I went to watering that plant. I, I can tell you today that it is thriving. It is a thr- It's beautiful. Thank you. I tell you what, there's like new shoots coming out. I've never been so excited. I'm like, all I did was water the plants. All I did was water it, like a little bit of water every day. And I start seeing these new shoots coming up and I'm watching it every day. And I'm like, can't wait for that to come out. And I've got two, two ferns because it was just a stick for a while. And uh, it's coming back to life, you know, this friendship fern. And I'm so stoked. But I think it's the same when it comes to our spiritual life. Sometimes I think, it's, you know, it's great having this spiritual life, but sometimes we just forget to water it. 
we forget to tend to it. And we kind of, because we have such busy lives, we tend to come back to our soul two months later of hecticness. And we sit down, we have a moment of silence where we can actually converse with ourselves and we check our soul or something happens in our life and we just, it just breaks us. And we check our soul and we go, gee, it's not looking too healthy. It's a bit, it's pretty dry. What's been happening? It's been two months. I'm not growing. There's no new shoots. There's no, there's no life. It's dry. And sometimes we can just plain forget life gets busy. Dallas Willard says that the, the greatest enemy of spiritual formation is hurry. And I'll tell you what, because I'm busy, it's probably why I forget to water my plants. And because sometimes we're so busy, we just forget to water our soul. And the greatest thing that we can water our soul with is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. This is living, it says it's living and active. This is not just a great, nice thing to read with some good ideas and some lovely platitudes to kind of perk me up for the day. No, this book, this book and the author of this book, the Holy Spirit, God Himself, Jesus Christ, this book is living and active. This is the thing that waters our soul. This is the thing that allows us to stay fresh, to grow new shoots, to grow new branches or whatever that might look like, whatever plant you identify with, whether that's a bonsai plant or a um, succulent. I don't know, whatever it is, this, the Word of God, is what waters our soul. And I think we know that as believers, we know, oh, yeah, of course the Word of God waters my soul, but... But we have to be doers of the word. And this morning, this morning, I've got three points. I've got simple three points. I'm sorry. I know the last couple of weeks, they've like rhymes, like alliteration or whatever it is, like three Ps. And I tried. It didn't work. I'm not that, I'm not that great at that thing. But I've got three points this morning. And it's three applications of what the word is and why it is healthy for us and how it helps us grow and how we can use it. Are we ready? Are we good? All right, number one. The word is creative. I think I got the point. The word is creative. The word is, has life. It is regenerative. It is life to our soul. It is creative. We see in Genesis that God hovered over the waters of the deep that were dark and void. I think, is the scripture, I think the scripture's up here. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So the Word of God spoke light into the darkness. The Word of God spoke life into formless and empty void places. The empty and void places of our life requires only the Word of God to be spoken into our life to see something that wasn't there now become and be there. The Word of God is creative. It forms, it shapes, it molds, it, it creates life on the inside of us. The very Word of God. John 6.6, 6, it's not up here, says, The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit 
and life. How good is that? I think a lot of time in our life, we, we tend to just forget that the Word of God is life to our soul. And we default to a multitude of other things to look for life in our soul. I don't know about you, but sometimes you might have a busy, crazy week and you just Netflix and chill. And what do you feel like afterwards? You just feel horrible that you stayed up late. You feel horrible that you watch too much TV and you wake up the next morning and it didn't satisfy your soul. It just satisfied your flesh. But when we get the Word of God, the Word of God will give us rest. The Word of God will give us peace. The Word of God will give us joy. The Word is creative. It says in Matthew, Jesus, we know that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness with the enemy, 40 days and 40 nights. He's walking through the wilderness. He's hungry. I mean, the word says he was hungry. I could imagine that he was thinking of some bread. He was thinking of some good sourdough bread from Uprise Bakery. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, I'm hungry right now and I haven't fasted at all today. And he would be walking through the desert. I think we've got the scripture up on the screen here as well. Jesus answered. So the enemy tempted him and said, if you're the son of God, You'll, turn this, you'll, you'll speak to this stone, it'll turn into bread. So the enemy is tempting him with a physical reality to try and satisfy his spiritual life. And here Jesus says, the Word of God, the Word himself speaks the Word. The Word is speaking the Word, which is crazy. He says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. The King James Version says the word that proceedeth from the mouth of God or the word that continues from the mouth of God, that His word is continually going out. His life is continually coming out of Him through this word and through in His presence and prayer. The word of God is the thing that will sustain us. There is nothing else that will sustain us. You might be crying out for a job change. You might be crying out for more finances. All these things which are good and great. You might be crying out for a spouse, partner, whoever or whatever it might be, but none of that will satisfy and grow your inner spiritual man because man does not live by physical, temporal things alone like bread. No, man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Are you hearing the word of God lately? Are you, are you living from the word of God or have you not checked the status of the life of your inner man? Is it growing? Is it forming? Is there, are there new shoots? Are there new aspects to your relationship with Jesus? Are you learning more about Him and His nature and His Word? The Word is deep. The Word can never be exhausted in revelation. Angels are in, the, in heaven singing, holy, 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 receiving new uh, like facets of the nature of God continually for eternity. And we can grow continuously as individuals, as people. The Word of God is creative in our life. If our, if our inner man is dying, we can speak the Word of God to our inner man. And life will begin to flourish. If you're feeling discouraged, I'll tell you what, the best thing is you just kind of you just kind of come against yourself sometimes. Do you know what I mean? If you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling anxious, sometimes I just get ticked with myself. I shut the door in the bedroom and I just get the Word of God. 
And I start to say, you got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. I've been beginning to speak to myself like David in the Psalms said, where he said, oh, my soul, why are you so downcast? I've been beginning to speak life into his soul, but we can't speak life with our own opinions, our own ideas and our own thoughts. No, we need the preceding Word of God. We need Scripture. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Word of God. We can't live by ourselves alone. The Word is creative. Point number two, the Word is effective. This is like, the Word is effective. This, this, I reckon, is one of the most key things that I reckon I use the Word of God for most in my life. It's effective in combat. It's effective against the enemy's schemes. Your thoughts, your attitudes, your opinions are not effective against the enemy's schemes. No, the Word of God is effective against the enemy's schemes. The Word says that Scripture, the Word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing between spirit and flesh, between bone and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It's a double-edged sword. I'm telling you, the Word of God is a weapon. It is an effective weapon. If you're not using your weapon, you know, we need to use our weapon. Some of us might have our weapon on the shelf. It might be just on display somewhere, collecting a bit of dust, and you're wondering this, this, this onslaught from the enemy. You're, you're receiving the thoughts and, and, and all these, this attack from the enemy. I'm telling you, you need to get your sword off the shelf. You need to get the Word of God off the shelf. You need, to, you need to draw your sword. That's what I'm talking about. You need to know this Scripture so you can go to combat with the enemy. It is effective. I remember when I was a kid, I was actually a teenager. I was probably 16, 17, and I got a hold of this book, awesome book. I recommend it, by the way. It's called The Supernatural Ways of Royalty um, by Bill Johnson and Chris Vallotton, and uh, I began to read this book, and I was, it kind of it talks about who, like your identity, who you are in Christ, talks about the power of Christ in you, what the, the authority that you have as a believer. It kind of it really goes into spiritual warfare in a, in a profound way. And as a teenager, I'm reading this book just kind of being blown away with, with the power of the Word and what, what, how God wants me to wield my weapon and who I am. And it was interesting, halfway through the book, I began to experience uh, for three nights uh, a spirit of fear visited me. It was like, I don't know if it was a test or something, but fear entered my room for three nights. It was like night and day, normal room, trying to go to sleep, and it's like fear walked straight in the room, just walked in. I was petrified. I didn't know. And I, I kind of feel like this was one of those tests that God allowed because he was teaching me how do you use his word? He's like, hey, I'm going to test your faith. And God doesn't put us to anything he can't bring us through. So he's like, he's like I'm going to test your faith. I'm going to, let's put this to action because we know we need to be doers of the word. And I remember I used the word of God. He was like, use the word of God. And I use uh, the scripture that says, we have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I remember I would just, that's the only way I could get back to sleep is Scripture. I got my weapon out. I started combating the enemy, a spirit of fear with the Word of God. I started saying, you know, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, 
love and a sound mind. And I begin to say it over and over and over. And I continually use it this day. And God was teaching me how to use the weapon that He has given us. And after three nights, I tell you, it was broken, completely broken. And the, the sense of peace in that room, I've never felt the sense of peace in the Holy Spirit so strongly. It was like you said, like, you passed the test. You passed the test, it's good. I tell you what, you're going through some stuff. You need to get the Word of God. You need to wake up early one morning. You need to get sick of what the enemy is doing. You need to get sick of the bombardment, the lies, the attack. You need to get the Word out. You need to get a little smile on your face because it says that Jesus has defeated the enemy. We need to get the Word. We need to slam it on the table in front of us. A little smile on our face. We need to start to quote Scripture to the enemy. If we resist the enemy, he shall flee. And if Jesus used the Word of God against the enemy, how much more so do we? The Word of God is effective. I tell you, it's like the enemy tries to climb around you like a vine, and the Word of God is that sword that we can just cut off the lies of the enemy. It says, throw off everything that hinders. Use the Word of God. Get trained in the Word of God. Memorize Scripture. Practice using the Word of God in your life. I'm telling you, it is effective for everything. Because we know that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. We don't need physical things to combat the spiritual world. We need spiritual things, things that God has given us. It says in Ephesians 6.17, it says, And take, the, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So good. Point number three. And we're kind of coming back to the idea of community, the Word in community, the Word in family, the Word in church. As believers, we have... We have the Word of God to grow. We need to water our soul. We need, we need to grow with the Word of God. There's nothing else that will help us grow without, without the Word of God. But there is something powerful that God has designed the church to be, the community of believers, us together, the togetherness of the believers that we saw in Acts, where the Word of God starts to work out through all our lives because we're connected together. We're unified by the Spirit. We all have one Spirit. And God uses the people around us, uses community to help shape and grow and form us. I don't know about you, but the amount of times I've received the Word of God, whether it's an encouragement from someone, and they're speaking into my life, I've grown. Sometimes someone comes along with a word uh, of encouragement, which is great. Sometimes someone comes along with a word of rebuke or correction, and it is also helping me grow, just pruning me off a little bit. And someone comes in, they say, hey, I've noticed this is happening in your world. This is the word of God for that situation. You probably need to think about that. It's like, oh, that hurts. And instead of being offended in that moment and going, no, it's not you, and walking out, no. God uses those moments to grow us, to prune us, to shape us, to help us grow into who He has called us to be. See, as believers, we're not like, I think in this day and age, we live in a modern era where the thinking is we are individuals on an individualistic path and journey through life 
that I'm a self-made man and I'll accomplish and achieve all the things that I want to accomplish and achieve and it doesn't matter who gets in my way. This is the modern thinking. But God hasn't designed us, hasn't created us to be isolated people. Some of us are acting like, sometimes we act like a cactus in a desert. We hold all the water into ourselves and it's a survival mentality. We're like, it's got to survive. Don't come near me. I'm, I'm sharp. I'll, I'll hurt you. I'm just going to survive this life out until the end. It's not God's intention for the church. It's not God's intention for you as an individual just to survive in the desert, just to survive alone. I love this scripture um, in Colossians 3.16. It's beautiful. It says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitudes in your heart. Let the, let the message of Christ dwell among you. I can't help but imagine that instead of our individual walk with Christ being like a cactus, just growing slowly over time, cactus don't grow, they don't grow quick. No, but the atmosphere of church community, of this family, it's more like a rainforest. It's this rainforest where it's this multitudes of, of different people. There's mature trees in the rainforest that provide shade and covering for the, for the young trees that are trying to grow. There's, there's an atmosphere in a rainforest that when you, you walk into the rainforest and automatically there's a, there's a whole new ecosystem. It's cooler. It's, the, the air is fresh. You can just tell there's something different in this place and it's because the, the plants are all working together. They're all growing as individual things, but there's an ecosystem in place that this, this, this greenhouse effects where these plants are growing together. There's a togetherness about a rainforest rather than individual cactus in the desert. And I believe that's what we're meant to be. As we grow in community and we let the Word of God dwell among us richly as we speak to each other about the Word of God, as we build bridges into people's lives around us that we may not know too well, and we encourage them with the Word of God. As we love our friends, the people that are close to us, and we see them doing dumb stuff, it's love that challenges them with the Word of God and says, hey man, you're not going the right way. You need to look at the Scripture. This is what it says. That is the community of believers using the Word of God to grow each other, to, to elevate one another, to sharpen one another. It's this ecosystem. And it's this, the church family, the whole, this church, that God's plan for humanity to see people come into this rainforest, this atmosphere, this ecosystem of growth. And people begin to go, wow, this is a different atmosphere in here. It's an atmosphere of growth. People, their growth is accelerated. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the Word of God. They devoted themselves. Would we be people that devotes ourselves to the Word of God, that devotes ourselves to growth, 
not just for ourselves because my growth depends on your growth and your growth depends on my growth because this is an ecosystem that God has created where we don't just grow for ourselves, but we grow for one another. They devoted themselves because we as the church are called to be an influence in our society called to see the kingdom of God advance, the power of God used through us, move through us. If we're not committed to growth, people aren't going to experience the goodness of God. People aren't going to see the goodness of God in our lives. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.